Thursday, August 29th, 2019. This is the Hermetic Hour. I'm your host, Polk Runyon, and tonight we review and discuss the new translation, uh, 2006, of the 15th century German book of Abramelin, attributed to Abraham von Worms and translated by Stephen Gupp and edited by George Den from Ibis Press. Now, this new translation directly from the original German manuscript supersedes McGregor Mather's translation of the French version in 1893, which has been a cornerstone of magical libraries since the beginning of the last century. The new Abramelin is excellently introduced by my esteemed colleague, Maestro Lon Milo Duquette. The old French version was poorly translated from the German and incomplete. The original has all four books and completes all the magic squares. This German version was used by Franz Barden to name his solar spirits. It should go on the shelf of every magician's magical library. So, if you want to square up with the angels, then tune in and we'll run the numbers. Now, uh, returning to Lon's forward, he tells us how excited he was as a budding magician to discover a copy of the 1932 DeLorence edition of Mather's Abramelin in a used bookstore, probably the old Cherokee bookshop, where I had bought my copy a few years earlier. In those days, neither Lon nor I had the faintest idea that we might not have the genuine article. Mathers and Crowley were both in awe of the powers this book promised, not realizing that the French version was incomplete and full of errors. I want to mention, uh, the, before we go on, that Mather's translation of the French version is very good. No, no, no one has complained about that. It's the, it's the French version itself uh, that was uh, incomplete and full of errors. Perhaps the most significant differences between the original German and the later French edition are the length of the operation, 18 months in the German version and six months in the French version, and the employment of a child scryer in the French version. The general scenario of both French and German versions is about the same. Abraham of Worms wants to learn magic, and he studies with Rabbi Moses for four years in Germany, but is not satisfied. He decides to journey to the Middle East in search of wisdom. He sets out with a Jewish companion, who takes ill and dies on the quest. And Abraham then teams up with a Christian magical aspirant, and they explore Arabia, and is still not finding the perfect master. Finally, Abraham goes by himself to Egypt, where he finds the hermetic master, Abramelin, who takes him on as a student and an apprentice. Abramelin teaches Abraham the secret method of becoming a master magician and controlling all the spirits. This is accomplished by attaining a relationship with one's holy guardian angel, the personal link with God that we are all born with. 
Now, achieving this this partnership with God involves an 18-month-long regime of prayer and ritual that finally empowers the Magus to command legions of demons for his own prosperity and to aid other deserving, deserving souls. The fact that the operation gives him power over so-called evil spirits gave the book a sinister reputation, and it was called a sorcerer's handbook. Abramelin records, oh, Abraham records Abramelin's method of magic in a book which he bequeaths to his second son, Lamech. Now, he gifted his firstborn son with a book on Kabbalah. Now, contrary to most assumptions, the magic squares in Abramelin are not Kabbalistic. Magic squares were originally Chinese and came into Western magic via the Arabs, where Hidrash Shah says they had a role in Abjad, that's the Arabian Kabbalah. After Abraham returns to Germany, he examines and reports on the local practices of magic and witchcraft. He mentions Faust and the Sibylline Oracles and gives the impression that most German magic is either pagan or satanic. Of course, the magic of Abramelin is holy and undertaken in the service of God. Now, reading all this, one gets the impression that if the writer was originally Jewish, he was at some point a convert to Christianity because the attitudes and conclusions he expresses are frankly more Christian than Jewish. Even Abramelin, who was obviously Hermetic, was probably a Coptic Christian because he ignores the demons of one's nativity and goes directly to obtain the ray of light from God, which controls all the demons. Hence, the 18-month operation to achieve knowledge and conversation of the Holy Guardian Angel. Upon achieving this, the Magus calls up and binds all the demons of hell. Now, this follows Christ's ascension and descent to hell formula, but from a hermetic perspective, it is putting the cart after the horse. Cornelius Agrippa and the anonymous author of the Pauline Art and the Lamegaton read Hermes correctly and declared that the celestial demons or angels of nativity should be invoked before one calls down the ray of light from God, the HGA, to act as the final governor over planetary and zodiacal influences. Now, we should recall that Plato gave us the secret of humanity's eternal conflicts with the universe and with itself in the Timaeus when he declared that the planets and the zodiac revolve in opposite directions, both in the macrocosm and the microcosm, as above, so below, and as within, so without. However, Hermetic philosophy's greatest secret is a thousand years older than Plato. It comes from Zoroaster, and it is simply the answer to the ultimate question, who or what is God? And the answer is, God is consciousness. That, is the, that of course, is the great I am. The concept of the holy guardian angel also originates uh, with the Parsis. 
That's the Zoroastrians. You may recall that we reviewed Stephen Flower's excellent book, Original Magic 2017, in which he described the Fravashis, and I quote from Stephen Flowers, it is important to see them as divine sparks that hold a place among the gods and goddesses, among the the Zathas. These are also collectively known as Arda Pravash, Holy Guardian Angels. Each person is accompanied by a guardian angel, and he references Yasna 26.455.1, which acts as a guide throughout life. Originally, they patrolled the boundaries of the ramparts of heaven, and he references Bund 6.3, but volunteered to descend to earth and incarnate as human beings. They then stand by individuals to the end of their days. Now, let me read that again because this is this is very important. They originally patrolled the boundaries of the ramparts of heaven, but volunteered to descend to earth and incarnate as human beings. They then stand by individuals to the end of their days. Keep that in mind when later we read the section from Hermes that this that uh, Abraham derives from. So the concept originated with Zoroaster, as far as we know, but from there it seems to have influenced all branches and currents of the Western esoteric tradition: Egyptian, Greek, Gnostic, Hermetic, Jewish, and Christian. Before we get into the documentary readings in this discussion. I would like to mention Wolfram von Essenbach's Parseval as another example of the Holy Guardian Angel theme in the Western mystery tradition. The hermetic influence in Parseval in the Parseval romance has already been well established. The grail in this version of the legend is not the cup of Christ, but rather a glowing stone that has descended from the stars and displays the names of those called to its service. This heavenly revelation in the grail stone seems connected to the hermetic astrological holy guardian angel concept. We have mentioned that most of the talismans to control the spirits featured in Abramel and our magic squares. This system originated in ancient China in 200 BC, and I will read the legend of the magic squares from the book Magic Squares, 1974, uh, by John Lee Fultz. And that book, by the way, is still available. It's, it's, uh, the, it's Magic Squares, 1974. John Lee Fultz. Uh, now, let me read the legend. Once upon a time, there lived a king named Yu, who ruled all the kingdom of China. King Yu took a walk about his court almost every day. While strolling one day along the Yellow River, he saw a mystical turtle lying in his path. The turtle looked like almost any other turtle with the exception of its shell. It would probably have gone unnoticed if if not that the king had seen, uh, made a keen observation. The turtle's shell looked similar 
the one we show on figure figure one. And the king stood and gazed at the at the turtle, and after seeing that it was no ordinary turtle, as he had first supposed, he stooped down, picked it up, and immediately immediately began to examine its shell. And as the king stood holding the turtle by its tail, he began immediately to count the dots and squares on its shell. To his amazement, he found that the turtle's shell contained nine little squares. In each square, there were some dots ranging from one through nine, and not any two of these squares had the same number of dots. The king, having been taught the art and science of mathematics, decided he should pursue his scientific investigation. He began first by counting the dots in the three squares to the, on the left-hand column. And next he counted the dots in the three squares of the center column. And then he counted the dots in the three squares in the right-hand column. And to his astonishment, each column contained the same number of dots. And then he thought that he must have made a mistake, so he counted the dots in the columns again to verify his findings. And the results did not change, and each column contained 15 dots, the same number as before. With his curiosity aroused, the king proceeded to count the dots in the three squares around the turtle's shell, row by row. His astonishment increased very rapidly with the counting of each row, for the number of the dots was always 15, and the same number he had obtained when counting the dots in the columns. And then he decided to try counting the dots in the little squares diagonally. And again, he found that each of these contained 15 dots and the same number obtained in each row in each column. And finally, to ease his curiosity, he decided to try counting the dots contained in any two symmetrical squares. And two, he found that these, uh, these squares always contained the same number of dots. The king decided that he had had enough excitement for the day, so without delay, he ordered this little turtle taken to his palace for further mathematical study and observation. Immediately, news of his mystical turtle began to spread rapidly from the king's court to the nearby villages and then to other countries. When this little turtle spent the rest of his life in ease at the king's court, and it was destined to become the most famous turtle in the world, for it saw famous men, kings, mathematicians, and visitors from all parts of the world, and everyone who saw it marveled and concluded that the arrangement of the dots surely had a mystical significance. Pretty soon, the low shoe, as the pattern was later called, began appearing on charms and magic stones as it does to this day. And you probably have seen it. It usually looks similar. As is shown in our figure, mathematicians from all parts of the world began to study the arrangements of the low shoe, and eight arrangements were found completing the square. From the low shoe, other magic squares were formed by adding, subtracting, and multiplying and dividing the same number from each number in the little squares. And pretty soon, little boys and girls began to learn to complete these arrangements, and in so doing became more efficient in mathematics. Now, this is from this little book. It's, it, it, it's a little book. It's only about five inches tall and about and about six inches long by John Lee, Lee Foltz. And, and, and it's a beautiful little book, but I also want to mention that that uh, Wikipedia has has a very, very extensive 
uh, article on magic squares, and if you're if you're interested, you should consult that. We should not leave this topic without reading the section from the Hermetic Corpus that Abramelin, if he actually existed, and Agrippa drew on in defining our guardian angels, holy or otherwise. And I will read from Walter Scott's translation, 1924, book 14 through 16. I still think the Scott translation is the best. Now, I'm actually going to start over on 13. This is book 16. And to the sun is subject the troop of demons, or rather troops, for there are many and diverse troops of them placed under the command of the planets, an equal number of demons being assigned to each planet. And thus marshaled in separate corps, the demons serve under the several planets. And they are both good and bad in their natures, and that is in their workings. For the being of a daemon consists in his working. To these daemons is given dominion over all things upon earth. They are also the authors of the disturbances upon earth and work manifold trouble, both for cities and nations collectively and for individual men. For they mold our souls into another shape and pull them away to themselves, being seated in our nerves and marrow and veins and arteries, and penetrating even to our inmost organs. For at the time when each one of us is born and made alive, the demons who are at that moment on duty as ministers of birth take charge of us, that is, the demons who are subject to some one planet. For the planets replace one another from moment to moment, and they do not go on working without change, but succeed one another in rotation. These demons then make their way in through the body and enter into the irrational parts of the soul, and each daemon perverts the soul in a different way, according to his special mode of action. But the rational part of the soul remains free from the dominion of the demons and fit to receive God into itself. If then the rational part of man's soul is illuminated by a ray of light from God, for that man the working of the demons is brought to naught. For no demon and no God has the power against a single ray of the light of God. But such men are few indeed, and all others are led and driven soul and body by the demons, setting their hearts and affections on the working of the demon. And this is that love which is devoid of all reason, that love which goes astray and leads men astray. And the demons then govern all our earthly life, using our bodies as their instruments. And this government, Hermes calls destiny. Now, you will recall that I mentioned the relationship of the sun to the demons. Now, we got to remember that Franz Barden 
studied this German manuscript. Not the Hebrew version, not the French version. He studied the German version of it. And he named all of his solar spirits after after the fixed stars. Uh, and, and, what he, and he used a cipher to do this. So when when you get into um, when you get into Abermel and you'll 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 find you'll find them, but they are but they're ciphered none. And interestingly enough, let me let me observe this. I think having having studied this German version of 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 uh, Abermelon and, and as Franz Barden, Franz Barden must have, I believe that Barden modeled. His first book, Initiation into Hermetics, I think that's his version of the Abermelon 18-month operation, and and he follows he follows his first volume with his second volume, the um, principle, the, the practice of magical evocation. Literally, you know, once once you have been through all of this, all of his training, uh, and and. Uh, in initiation into hermetics, then you are ready as far as he is concerned, and as, and this would be as far as Abermelon was concerned, then you're ready to uh bring up all of the of the uh angels, the demons and the of the of the planets and the spheres. Uh so I, I think that the the fact that Barden we know that Barden used this the the uh, the solar spirits, uh, 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 solar uh, as his battery of solar spirits. I say they are ciphered, though. Now the reason why we know they're ciphered is because an Austrian magus by the name of Salazar uh, did quite a bit of work deciphering uh, Barton's uh, catalog of the solar spirits, and and his his work is is, is convincing. So Barton definitely did, definitely did do this. Now. That, uh, as far as the magic squares are concerned, that Idris Shaw in 1970 published a book called Secret Lore of Magic, and in in, in there he has he has published a version of a book which he attributes to the Arabian astrologer magician Abd al Qadir, and this is the Book of Power. And you'll find this in Secret Lore of Magic 1970, which is still available, by the way. And uh, this features magic squares, and it's, it's, it's quite interesting. And, and as I said, Wikipedia has an extensive article on magic squares, which you should look at. And also, Cornelius Agrippa, in the three books of philosophy in the third book, he has, he has the Kameas which are magic squares related to the planets. Now, these Kameas related to the planets have actually been attributed to Agrippa himself, but I suspect that he got them from somewhere, probably from some, some Arabic source. And and yet, uh, they, you should, you should you, you, as a magician, you have, uh, you have Agrippa's uh, three books of occult philosophy on your shelf. So check out, check out the Kameas in Agrippa. Now, for a contemporary parallel description, let's explore some concepts as defined by Iamblichus, the third century Arab Hermetic philosopher. Now, I'm going to read Thomas Taylor's translation from Iamblichus, 
on the mysteries of the Egyptians, Chaldeans, and Assyrians. And this was published, by the way, in 1821. These things, therefore, having been accurately discussed, the solution of the doubts which you have met with in certain books will be manifest. For the books which are circulated under the name of Hermes contain hermetic yeah. Hermetic opinions, though they frequently employ the language of the philosophers, for they were translated from the Egyptian tongue by men who were not unskilled in philosophy. And such as have written concerning the planets, the zodiac, the decans, the horoscopes, and what are called powerful and leading planets, these have unfolded the probable distribution of the rulers. The particulars also contained in the calendars comprehended a certain very small part of the heramic arrangements and the causes of such things as pertain to the phases or occultations of the stars or to the increments and decrements of the moon are assigned by the Egyptians and the last of all the Egyptians likewise do not say that all things are physical for they separate the life of the soul and the intellectual life from nature, and not only in the universe, but also in us. And admitting intellect and reason to subsist by themselves, they say that generated essences were thus fabricated. They likewise arranged the demiurgos as the primary father of all things in generation. And they acknowledge the existence of a vital power. Prior to the heavens and subsisting in the in the heavens, and they also establish pure intellect above the world, and one impartable intellect in the whole world, and another which is distributed into all the spheres. And these things they do not survey by mere reason alone, but through the very sacerdotal theurgy they announce that they are able to ascend to more elevated and universal essences and to those that are established above fate, to God and to the demiurgos, neither employing matter nor assuming any other thing besides except the observation of suitable time. Now, the demiurgos, by the way, is, is the Gnostic uh, version of of, of of the God, of the creator God. Now we'll continue. You say, therefore, that according to many of the Egyptians, that which is in our power demand de- depends upon the motion of the stars. What the truth, however, is respecting this, it is necessary to unfold to you from the Aramic conceptions for man, as these writings say, has two souls. And one indeed is derived from the first intelligible and participates of the power of the demiurgos, but the other is imparted from the circulation of the celestial bodies to which the soul that sees God returns. These things, therefore, are thus subsisting the soul that descends to us 
from the worlds follows the periods of the worlds, but that which is intelligibly present from the intelligible transcends the motion, and through this, a liberation from fate and the ascent to the intelligible gods are effected. Such theurgy likewise leads us to an unbegotten nature and is perfectly conformable to a life of this kind. Now, what uh, Iamblichus, uh, the Syrian, is, is, uh, is saying here, of course, is, is, is a recapitulation of what Hermes is, is uh, stating in, in, uh, in, in Book 16. And all of this, as I say, goes back to Zoroaster. And as you remember, the, uh, uh, the, the Fravaskis uh, um, were once patrolling the ramparts of heaven, and they came down and, 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 and assisted us as, as holy guardian angels. So... Um, to return to uh, to, the, to the German version of Abramelin, uh let me say that uh, that this German this German version, according to uh, Abraham, as as the uh, in in the text of the book, he said he said I wrote this in German. He said I wrote this in the book in German for for my second born son Lamech. Because I'm not sure that he's going to be a Hebrew. he's going to have a good Hebrew, uh, but 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 so I'm writing the book in German for him. Well, oh, that's 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 possible, and and uh, that's possible explanation. However, interestingly enough, uh, Abraham's book, written in German, was later translated into Hebrew by somebody who. Uh, uh, somebody who obviously uh, wanted the book to be perhaps a little more Jewish than uh, uh, than, than, than Abraham did, and and uh, uh, but that Hebrew version, the Hebrew translation from the German, uh, is not considered as uh, is not considered as 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 original and as complete as 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 the German the original German version. There's one thing that though, however, is quite possible that the French version that Mathers that Mathers uh translated, it's quite possible that that was translated into French from that second Hebrew version of the original German version. So Mathers and poor poor Mathers, as I said, he did a very very good job translating that French manuscript, and and we can't fault him for that. There's something else. There's a couple more comments I want to make on that. Uh, when I first read the the, the Sacred Magic of Armel and Mage, I was really really put off by this idea of using a of using a an eight year old child. Uh, to to receive your visions for you, I didn't like that at all, and and uh, uh, you know I, I believe that a magician should be able to have his own visions. He shouldn't need a he he, he shouldn't need a uh, uh, a, a, a child a clairvoyant child. But the French, however, were influenced by Cagliostro, who was in turn influenced by by the Arabs who 
who like to use children uh, in this capacity uh, for scryers. And uh, and so uh, we can uh, – I'm kind of curious. I'd like to see that – I would like to see that Hebrew version uh, or, or some kind of a direct English translation of that Hebrew version that, that perhaps – uh, was the origin of the French version. I'd like to see if this child, where this, where this business of using the child uh, came in. I think it probably came in with the, with with, uh, with the French because they have referred to Coleostro, uh in there. And I can recall years ago uh, when I was on Off Magic, uh, the the uh, uh, the Internet uh, uh, Magical Forum. Uh, uh, online forum called Alt Magic. There was a um, there was a fellow. I think he was from from Cambodia, and he wanted to do the Abermelon operation, and he insisted on using on using his eight year old son, and I I really tried to talk him out of it. I I I I I'm not I'm not sure I succeeded in talking him out of it because he was adamant about it, and. And I kept telling him, I said, "Look, this, this is it. You got to look at it. You, you got to look at it from a modern point of view. This is child endangerment. You are taking a child for 18 months, and you're you're gonna you're gonna take a child and 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 subject them to all this, all these prayers and all this and all this uh, mumbo jumbo for for 18 months. I I, I wouldn't do that to, to to my child. I had, you know, you shouldn't. But he insisted." He insisted that's what he was going to do. I hope he didn't. I hope he finally took my advice and didn't do it. Uh, and because it really is, it, it, it really is a terrible thing to do. And and uh, the the uh, the the other thing uh, about the the Avermelon operation is, as I say, it it went on and finally. Uh, Charles Russell, who was a follower of, of, of Crowley, who broke away from Crowley and developed his own great brother, great brotherhood of God or Gnostic brotherhood of God, whichever one you want to call it, uh, he developed a three-day retreat where you where you go into seclusion for three days and and you do a series of rituals and and uh, attain conversation with your holy guardian angel. Unfortunately, Russell's Russell's idea of, of your holy guardian angel was almost as bad as the as, as the as the as the French child thing. Russell wanted wanted you to have your holy guardian angel be your um, be your your shakti in your in your tantric uh, your tantric sex magic operation, and and that that is certainly not a good idea. But anyway, his his idea of the three day retreat. We picked that up and and decided that we would uh, that we would uh, do 22 rituals for uh, you know for each path of the tree of life and go all the way up and and uh, and and following following Hermes and Agrippa and the Pauline heart we decided to do uh, the, the the planetary uh, the planetary uh, Angels of the of, of the uh, of the nativity and and the zodiacal angel, angels and and then finally do the the 
you know, the ray of God, the the, the supreme holy guardian angel uh, over them all, and make this into a three day a three day retreat. And this was so far worked out very very well. Uh, we, we've had at least a hundred a hundred of us have been through it, and it's it's a beautiful beautiful experience. And uh, and so that that I think is is the modern version, and uh, was originally inspired by by the sacred magic of Abermel and the Maj. And I'm very, very glad to see this this uh, this new this new book uh, coming out, and I I strongly recommend, highly recommend it. I think everybody should have it. You should have it as as uh, your you know one of the main main anchors of your of your magical library. And like I said again, this is um, it's it's published by Ibis Books, and they're in Fort Worth, Florida, and it's the Book of Abramelin. And it's uh, it's at 2000. The present second edition is uh, is 2015. So that just about wraps us up on this subject. And we'll be seeing you next week with another look at the Hermetic Mysteries. And and until then, live long and prosper and uh, good magic. And we'll see you next week. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.